0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sorcery and Superstition. As always, I'm your host, M. Bradley Peters. This is Season 2, Episode 2, and this is a continuation of last week's Two Priests in a Pickle by Mark McMichael. I made a mistake last week, and I said Mark McDaniel. I was wrong, and it is correct on the Facebook post. His name is Mark McMichael. You can also find a link to his Amazon page, which you can find more stories about Varga and the kingdom of Spore. So you should definitely go check it out. Because I know I like the story, and I know you guys do too. At least so far. And I promise, it only gets better. So, you know, why don't I quit jabbering on and we just get back into the story. Welcome back to part two of Two Priests and a Pickle. Good morning, Poyo. Vargo greeted the bird affectionately as the owl nuzzled his neck lovingly. I'm off to the Temple of Reaper. Care to join me? Whoo! Poyo responded before nuzzling against her master once more. Vargo continued along the road, which was mostly level. Eventually, he made his way up a steep hillside, and as he came to the crest of the hill, he could see the temple only a quarter mile away. The land here was sparsely populated, and great fields of green grass lay empty of any sign of civilization. The temple stood alone here on a cliff facing the Alabaster Sea. It was made of stone from its base all the way to the large scythe with angel wings sprouting from its back that adorned the top of the structure. The symbol of Reaper, Angel of Death. Bargo shuddered. He hated coming here, for he always had a profound unease with the place. As he came closer to the temple he noticed a newly erected iron fence surrounding a large graveyard. Unlike most temples, this one did not have beautiful stained glass windows. Instead, it had simple glass panes with wooden frames. He walked up to the stone stairs to the nondescript maple wood door and opened it. Inside, there weren't rows of pews as you would expect in a normal temple. Hardly anyone truly worshipped Reaper. But all paid respects to the dead and the archangel who guided those to the afterlife. Instead... Large marble slabs stood in the large antechamber. Most were empty, but a few had bodies covered by white sheets. A middle-aged gnome with raven black hair and silver glasses was inspecting one such body. She wore black robes of silk with a silver embroidery of Reaper's symbol. She seemed to be confused as she inspected the body, so much so that she did not notice Vargo enter until he was across from her at the slab. Looking at the face of the man, Vargo recognized his corpse as the same man from the incident that morning. Good morning, priestess, Vargo said gently, hoping not to startle her. By the reaper, the woman cried as she jumped back, spooked by the wizard's sudden appearance. You nearly scared the soul right out of me, the priestess scolded. My apologies, Minerva, Vargo said with a bow. I actually came to discuss this particular corpse with you. The sentinels who brought him here this morning said that this was a murder of a mundane nature. Yes, but I have some doubts and just wanted to see if you could put them at ease, or give me more insight into this man. Killed by mundane means, possibly, there are things about this corpse that don't line up, Minerva said as she shook her head. Like what? Vargo asked the priestess curiously. Pueyo hooted and flapped her wings apparently uneasy about the temple. Look at this, Minerva said as she pulled the sheet back slightly and revealed a set of stitches where the heart would be. Did you do that after your autopsy? I haven't really begun the autopsy. Someone cut this man open near his heart and then stitched him back together. How be it crudely, the woman responded. Is the heart there or damaged? Bargo asked. I was about to find out before you scared the living daylights out of me. Minerva said with a sheepish grin. She grabbed a small scalpel and began to cut the stitches apart. Vargo couldn't watch, the entire process filling his gut with nausea. How have you been? Vargo asked, attempting to keep his mind off the task being performed in front of him. Better than this guy, Minerva said, her tongue poking out of the corner of her mouth as she worked to cut the last bit of stitching. There, all done. Now, let's see about this poor soul's heart. She didn't need to cut the wound back open. It hadn't even begun to truly heal before he died. She slid her hand into the wound, for her hands were very small even for her gnomes. She rummaged around before frowning and pulling out her hand. Nothing. Nothing? Bargo asked, confused. This man's heart is gone, Minerva clarified with a frown. Bargo did likewise, for the extraction of someone's heart had many nefarious purposes. How was it removed? If I had to guess, I'd say it was removed ritually, perhaps with a small blade. Minerva answered as she inspected the size of the wound. Like a dagger? Vargo asked. Yes, like a dagger, Minerva said before looking up at the wizard. Did you find one? She questioned with a cocked eyebrow. I did. It was cursed. This was no simple murder, Vargo. This man may have been killed in a demonic ritual, or who knows what. That is what I feared. I should probably head over to the Cathedral of Knowledge and question those two priestesses further, Vargo said with a bow to Minerva. Why don't you stay for a bit of lunch? It is getting late in the afternoon. The priestess said as she washed her hands in a brass bowl behind her that rested on an empty stone slab. I guess it couldn't hurt to have a quick lunch, Vargo stated. I'm willing to offend the priestess by denying her offer of food. She led the wizard down a winding hallway of stone. Unlike other temples, this one was devoid of beautiful works of art, tapestries, or rugs. Eventually, the two entered a very small kitchen, complete with a square wooden table with four chairs. A large iron cauldron of stew boiled above a small fire pit. She used a large wooden ladle to scoop the beef stew into clay bowls. After serving the wizard a piping hot bowl, she grabbed a bowl for herself, as well as a loaf of bread from a nearby bamboo box. She broke the loaf in half and handed one half to Vargo. Thank you, Vargo said as he took the loaf and dipped it into the hot stew while he waited for it to cool. The two ate in silence and Vargo allowed Pueyo to pick at a small portion of the bread when he was finished. His avian friend ate some of the bread, but Vargo could feel that she preferred to have a live mouse through his magical bond with his familiar. After he finished his meal and drank a few cups of water, the gnome bowed and thanked Minerva again for her assistance. I'd prefer if this remained between us, for now, Bargo said with a tip of his hat. My lips are sealed, Minerva responded. Vargo turned and left. The priestess shut the door behind him. We should hurry before any evidence is lost at the cathedral, Bargo said to Pueyo, who hooted in agreement. Bargo made his way along the road back to town before cutting to the west along a dirt trail. The trail took him on a winding route, but eventually landed him at a small village known as Abbey Field. The village wasn't known for much, but the Cathedral of Knowledge was located here. Many farms dotted the flat plains of the landscape here, the smell of cow droppings mixed with the sea air for an unpleasant odor. Many tall stalks of corn and rows of potato plants could be seen. One farm had an entire three acres full of cabbages growing. Bargo appreciated the work of the common folk, who worked miracles without a drop of magic to their name. He meandered through the small town, which only had one main road, The cathedral towered above all the other buildings and was easy to locate. The cathedral looked much like the temple to Reaper, with large stone walls culminating up to a tapered steeple. A bronze bell sat within the steeple. Stained glass windows of multiple colors depicted glowing spell books, depictions of Archangel Zerachiole, and one that some say depicted the City of Wonders, where the angels roamed. The stairs were stone, and the door was oak wood painted a bright red. A gnome in plate armor stood guard there, his helmet shining a bright silver in the afternoon sun. A white cape hung down from his shoulders, and a short sword was sheathed at its hip. The scabbard was made of hardened black leather with golden filigree upon it. State your business, the paladin commanded as Vargo ascended the stairs. I wish to ask the high priestess some questions regarding an incident this morning, Vargo answered calmly. I'm afraid the high priestess is not here. She and another priestess are out with the locals. I won't likely be back until far after dark,' the man replied. "'Would you kindly inform the High Priestess of my inquiry, "'and that I shall return at first light tomorrow to follow up?' "'Bargo asked the paladin. "'I shall,' the paladin said with a nod. "'Bargo descended the stairs, "'a bit irritated that he walked all this way only to be turned away. "'It wasn't odd to him that the Priestess would be out, though. "'Many clerics went to bless crops "'and heal sick people as part of their duties. "'In fact,' It would be odd if the priestesses were cooped up all day long. He left the village along the same dirt road in which he entered. Pueyo flew off, likely to hunt for some fresh meat in the form of bulls or field mice in the farms nearby. He arrived home, and the sun was setting low in the west. He doffed his robes and made himself some dinner. He then took a bath in the small iron tub and meditated on his many spells in his spellbook so that he would be prepared to cast them the next day if needed. He went to bed early, knowing that he would have to get up early in order to make it back to Abbeyfield by first light. The next morning, he awoke and journeyed back to the cathedral. When he arrived, the sight before him gave him chills. The red door was bashed in, to the point that it was mostly splinters instead of planks of wood. Vargo rushed inside, his staff held in two hands as he readied himself for the fight. He heard loud crashing noises and the screams of two females ahead of him. To the right, just inside the door... Vargo saw the corpse of the paladin from the day before lying still, his helmet and breastplate were covered in blood and dented in several places. Several rows of pews flanked Vargo as he made his way along the aisle, which had a very nice red rug along it and ended at a gold-plated altar covered in a red velvet cloth. Veronica and Guinevere huddled behind the altar as a large figure towered over them. The creature's skin was thin to the point where every bone was visible. Its hair was mingled and there were patches of baldness as if large clumps had fallen out. Two large flails were in both of its hands. The most terrifying aspect of the monster, though, was its eyes. Instead of the normal, colorful orbs of mortals, only two pink lights were visible. The pink lights were no larger than the flame of a small candle. Fargo didn't need a spell to feel the necromantic energy coming off of the monster. Fulgar, Vargo shouted as he pointed his sapphire-tipped staff at the undead monstrosity at the altar. A cobalt lightning bolt erupted from the end of his staff and slammed into the back of the flail-wielding creature. The attack staggered the monster. But it turned and let out a sound that was a mix between a growl and a hiss. It stepped away from the altar and regarded Vargo with a cocked head. You're not foe, the monster croaked, its eyes flaring. Vargo's body suddenly stopped moving, and his muscles seemed unable to answer his repeated calls to move. The creature didn't attack him, though. It rushed through the pews and leaped out of a window with a crash. The wizard panicked as he realized that he was under a form of magical paralysis. After several moments, High Priestess Guinevere and Priestess Veronica crept out from behind the altar. The High Priestess rushed to Vargo and said several prayers in a language Vargo did not understand. A soft green glow emanated from the woman's hands, and slowly the wizard was able to move his limbs again. "'What in the world was that?' Vargo said, sitting down on the floor and regaining his composure. "'I have no idea. It came at twilight and assaulted the cathedral. So Braxis was slain, and if you hadn't arrived, we would probably have been as well,' the high priestess answered. "'I thought cathedrals had powerful wards against the undead.' "'They do.' which is why we decided to barricade ourselves inside. It turns out that we should have fled the facility entirely, Veronica said as she walked up to the pair. Nothing about this makes sense, Vargo said as he shook his head. Are you two all right? Yes, a little banged up, but nothing serious, Guinevere replied as she looked at her bruised elbows and scraped knees. Mind if I look around the place? Vargo asked. Certainly, have at it, the high priestess said with a smile. Bargo nodded and gave a slight bow to the woman before turning and looking at the broken window. He made his way to the window and gazed out, but he couldn't see any trace of the monster. The shattered stained glass shards upon the grass below the window glittered as the sun rose over the horizon. Looking out towards the beach, Bargo couldn't even see any footprints left behind by the undead creature. Cursing his luck, the wizard turned from the window and examined the worship area more closely. Veronica and Guinevere sat on a pew in the front row, and the gnome witnessed the two exchange a kiss. The wizard ignored them for now, looking up and down the various pews. He noticed a lack of service hymnals, typically present at places of worship. He also noticed the absence of any acolytes present. "'Where are the acolytes?' Vargo asked as he walked towards the front door. "'They have not come in for their duties yet today,' Veronica answered for Guinevere after a pause." Bargo nodded, but something inside him told him that this wasn't the truth. Acolytes typically lived in the cathedrals and temples where they served. He looked at the front door, which had been obliterated by the mighty flails of the undead assailant. Danamihi visus magicus, Bargo muttered, his eyes glowing white with his magical sight. The door did not give off any sort of magic, but more disturbingly, the grounds of the cathedral gave off a powerful gray aura of magic the magic of necromancy. The aura covered the entirety of the grounds, and Bargo stood vexed to the threshold of the cathedral. Why is there a powerful necromantic enchantment on the grounds of the cathedral? Bargo thought to himself. Was this caused by the undead creature, or was this placed by someone else who wishes harm upon the priestesses here? Just then, Pueyo flew to Vargo's shoulder, a small piece of parchment tied to her right foot, with a black ribbon. Vargo untied the parchment and read it to himself. Vargo, I awoke this morning to find the corpse with the missing heart gone. I have no idea where it could have gone. I saw Pueyo hunting for voles and decided to send you a message so you were aware. Be safe, signed, Priestess Minerva. All right, and there we are at another stopping point. I know, it's getting good. And we're getting towards the end. Only about, oh, 15 minutes or so left in the story. And uh, it's a good one, isn't it? I hope you guys are liking it as much as I'm enjoying it. And, well, I hope you're as excited and ready for next week as I am. Because next week will be part three and the conclusion of Two Priests and a Pickle. Until then, have a fantastical day. All right. And there we are at another stopping point. I know, it's getting good. And we're getting towards the end. Only about, oh, 15 minutes or so left in the story. And uh, it's a good one, isn't it? I hope you guys are liking it as much as I'm enjoying it. And, well, I hope you're as excited and ready for next week as I am. Because next week will be part three. And the conclusion of Two Priests and a Pickle. Until then... Have a fantastical day.